Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report number 48, the report of February 2022. My name is Edison Magalhães here at Iowa State University. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan here at Iowa State University. Hello, Daniel Linhares also at Iowa State. And today we're going to cover the findings, the SDRS findings from the pre previous month, the month of January, uh, the first month of 2022. And just before we get started, a little bit of uh, overview of how the report works. So we have three pages uh, that covers PCR detection, the first one for PERS, the second for enteric coronavirus, and the last one for mycoplasma. And the last page is the page related to disease diagnosis uh, from Iowa State uh, VDL. So let's get started. Let's move for the, the first page of the report. Uh, Giovanni, can you give us a little bit of, of, of overview of, of how this page works and what are the major information, how to, to look at to that data? Yes, so for PERS virus, here we do report the detection by PCR uh, for this agent. And we organize this information for at a submission level. If you look for one of the charts that we have in this uh, page, it presents the number of submissions that are classified as positive, negative, or suspect according to the PCR results for that specific submission. doesn't matter if you submit 10 or 100 samples or only one. Each event of submission is counted one, and that helps us to better characterize the trends over time in terms of detection. And as we can see in this page, and if you go for that page, it's going to be on the upper left corner of the page, we have the number of cases tested by year and month for PERS virus with the distinction between positive and negative. One example of highlights from this number of cases is that during December is the month that we have the highest number of cases tested for this agent. And now in 2021, in December, we had basically 7,400 cases that were tested for PERS virus for this agent, and that was the highest number of submission tested so far for this agent from this VDL's database. Mm -hmm. And if you look on the top right chart, for the, the first page, the PERS detection page, and the, the one in the middle, the two right charts in the, in the right side, we can pretty much you break down that information, right, Giovanni? And you're going to see first the top one in the, in the right, you're going to see that almost 50% uh, of all the submissions, they came from, from adult sow farm, uh, this age category, and you broke down for the other two, the unknown and the winter market category. And the, the, the bottle chart, the one in the middle, is pretty much the same thing, like... The difference you're going to see here that the growing finish, the, the, the growing pigs, the, the positive, uh, the percentage of positive cases is always higher for this age category, even though they are less number in terms of, of number of submissions, right? So you can see these spikes in growth to finish preceding the, the south farm, uh, if you look at in, into the data, always occurring before the, the increasing percentage of positive cases for adult south farm. So something interesting to note here in this chart. And still in that middle column, the one in the left is what uh, Giovanni calls the forecasting plot, that where it shows if you follow the red line over time, it's the uh, actual the observed number of uh, positivity in the the tested positive in the PCR, and the blue band uh, that Giovanni puts together every uh, first month of the year is what's expected uh, in terms of positivity, based on what was observed the previous three years. And uh, as we can see in this plot here, just starting the year, the red line is, is within the expected. 
but also if you look more carefully, you see that those waves are going up, meaning that looking year over year from the previous three years, there is a trend of that positive the positivity rate going up, mm-hmm. and I think we're gonna further discuss that because uh, we we ask the advisory group some input on that. So I'm gonna share uh, w- what they what they mentioned. And another thing to note, uh, if you look that back to that middle column again, that's a seeing that this 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 increasing positivity or in growing financial curves before in, in adult sow farm. This is a call for for biocontainment, right, Giovanni? This is this data is showing that this is happening by evaluating the data and, and using the algorithms. We can see that 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 fact. So it's important to to take that into account and. Whenever you have that increase, be careful and improve biocontainment, biosecurity in your farms. Yeah, and that, those are examples of things that you can use the data for. And the bottom charts that we have on the Paris page is the information that we can extract from PERS or F5 sequencing. Mm-hmm. And here we do monitor the number of sequence classifieds according to RFLP types. And else, during last year, there was this emergence of the PERS virus lineage 1C variant that was receiving a lot of attention here. And we are now um, close monitoring that one, dedicate a chart for present monthly number of PERS or F5 for this sequencing, uh, just to keep uh, that on the, the radar. And, and one other thing is that to remind is that, of course, those are PDF reports, right? Those are static reports mm-hmm. uh, that we print every, every month and then add the the input from the advisory, uh, but uh, if people want to check what's going on um, between the reports, they're online in uh, fieldepi.org slash SDRS. There will be the live report, which are updated daily, and with a bit more information here, we, for example, we report everything at the national level, the whole U.S. level, and in those dashboards, you could filter and, and get information down to the state level. Yeah, and w- one more thing, Daniel, when you talk about the reports that the PDF generate every month, if you're not receiving the report by email, you can sign up for that for free. Just contact us, and we'll be very happy to push, push out the report through your email inbox every time it's released. It's free. It's free, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out, Evie, either if you are listening or watching the YouTube video on LinkedIn. Uh, check it out on our webpage, the fieldapp.com or IG slash SDRS, and you're going to find all the information there, and also get in touch with Giovanni, like you said. And Daniel, you mentioned about the, the advisory group. Uh, I wanted to bring that up. So a little, to explain a little bit of overview of that, the SDRS advisory group is a group of composed by producers and veterinarians from the swine industry, both working in companies and also state veterinarians. And it's a group that... We share this, this information, the SDRS data with them uh, before sending the final report. And this generates a discussion and we, we get their, their insights and feedback and of what's happening in the field and if that matches or not with what's occurring uh, uh, in the data, if the data matches or not. And we also have collaborators uh, that support us in the, throughout this process as well that are person, personnel from working in the five VDLs that, that are enrolled in the, in the SDRS project. And Giovanni, what, what were the, the, the comments and the major findings that, that the, the advisory group mentioned about the, the data from last month? Well, as you said, uh, Anson, we have an advisory group that is very active participates every month in this report and provides a lot of inputs and 
please help me here if I forget anything about the comments that they say this month, but <laughs> the detection of PERS virus that we see some trend for increase in 2022 and compares with previous years, there are a couple of things that the advisory group relies as potential contributors for that. And including on those is there is a need for more tests in growth finish high population to better understand what are the agents there circulated. And as an example, there was this emergence of these uh, PERS virus variant strains. But not only that, there are all the regions of the states that there was different strains that were very active, so you need to identify those. You need to do testing to differentiate uh, these wild-type strains from vaccine uh, strains to better understand what's happening, not only in finishing sites, but in breeding herds. Also, there is a lot of things that are pointed out as contributors for this uh, change. Please help me if I forgot anything here. I think they, they also talked about that uh, increasing positivity over time may also be associated with uh, improved diagnostic sensitivity, uh, at least herd sensitivity of the diagnostic test that methods used today, including, for example, processing fluids, family or fluids, uh, people pooling, t- uh, so sampling more and then sub- submitting an increased number of uh, uh, animals right in, the, in their submission so that all... All those things together help to uh, justify a little bit the, the increased sensitivity, uh, sorry, positivity in the observed here for, for PERS virus. There has been, uh, can make the case that the increased consolidation in the market with more kind of inter- interconnected use, usage of uh, uh, contract carriers for, for transport, feed, uh, feed, feed mills, truck wash, finishing site labor, that kind of stuff also contributes to to uh, more uh, viruses being around and, and people wanting to test, right? So mm-hmm. monitoring mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, these things. And they also mentioned about the, the, this year, the winter months of 2022, we are following a year with increased activity during the, the spring, right? A little bit different from what occurred on the previous years. Uh, if we go back and going to relate also to that, that second wave that we have on the 144. Uh, so... How about what you expect for this year, Jovan? What, 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 what are they saying? I just said that the uh, red line is, with, is within the blue band, right? And uh, so going forward for 2022, what do we expect in terms of birth activity? Doing prediction is a difficult one, but from our advice group, they, they are expecting that we keep having this trend of birth virus detection. And all of these reasons that were pointed uh, here as contributed for the momentum of the detection of parasites are also pointed to be on the radar for next year. One thing that may be different is that uh, several farms that went through uh, pers breaks with uh, some aggressive strains, they did depopulate and that may bring new animals to the farms that are naive for pers virus and you are now controlling, so that may help. And also there is startups that comes out and there is a big motivation for that. That is the proposition to have to also uh, put naive pigs in these herds and have less pressure of infection at a regional level because you are now sending out uh, piglets that are negative for this agent. So we may see some change in the in terms of detection. Uh, hopefully that goes down, but it's a trend that is continuing for a couple of years, so it's going to be good to keep monitoring that and see where we go during 2022. Okay, so now let's move on to the page number three. 
So the next page covers the PCR detection for enteric coronavirus. So pretty much the charts, the way that they are uh, illustrated here, it's the same thing that we discussed uh, previously for PERS, so we're not going to go into details. But this page covers PCR detection more specifically for PD and Delta coronavirus. And Giovanni, what were the findings from the previous month here? Well, first of all, the page of the enteric coronavirus is quite interesting this month. We start the year with uh, low levels of detection for PED and Delta coronavirus, TG. But as we move through January, the things start to really change. Mm -hmm. For example, if you look for PED during uh, December of 2021, we had an average of 72 submissions that were positive for PED per week. And that was true all the month, was 75, 71. But now, at the last week of January, we had 120 submissions that were positive. So there is a lot of activity in PED starting to going on there. And Giovanni, and when you show that data, share that data with the advisory group, what were the, the highlights that you received from them? The advisory group has said that, well, if nothing really unexpected occurs with PED and that coronavirus of entering a production system specific and spread through the chain, we should see some similar levels of detection in 2022, but they really remind us that we need to keep looking for biosecure, biocontainment measures, and whenever a case or some positivity starts occurring in some region, if that's possible, talk with your neighbors and develop a, a plan in association to early contain spread of these agents that's going to be helpful for all of involved parties. Also, also in that page, uh, the same thing that we talked about, the need for biocontainment, call for biocontainment in growth finish can be observed here for PERS, right? Can be observed here as uh, it's evident here that the positivity rate is higher in growth finish animals than that of uh, cell farms, right? And uh, the other thing that I thought it was interesting was that over time, in general, the trend is that it's to lower that it's lowering the positivity rate for for PD. Even though that at this specific moment it's it's going up, in general, the big long-term trend has been to decrease that. And a couple members of the advisory reminded us that that decreasing in prevalence, uh, decreasing positivity may be associated with decreasing prevalence in the in the whole uh, swine herd. But also as a reminder that now we have more uh, population at risk, so it wouldn't be surprising if we see a spike uh, at any point in time. So another call for biosecurity to keep that uh, positivity low. Great point, Daniel. Let's move on to the next page, which is the page that covers PCR detection for mycoplasma. Uh, Giovanni, what were the findings from the previous month here? Well, mycoplasma harmony, it's, we start to see some decrease in detection of uh, adult cell farms in, in growing finish, and that's following what we expected for this time of the year where the detection of mycoplasma tends to go down until uh, spring months and in fall is the, te- the time of the year that uh, we start to see more activity. And this is expected by this period of the year. And if we look forward to the future, there is a couple of production systems that start to go towards uh, mycoplasma elimination. So that has some uncertainty in how that's going to occur. Uh, in terms of uh, monitoring diagnosis, we maybe start to see more cases coming in and being tested. But that's a, 
uh, effect of the need for more surveillance and monitoring programs in these scenarios. Mm -hmm. I was excited to, to hear back from the advisory. We saw that and we've been hearing about that, but good Good that we are in the U.S., as I understand, in a good momentum towards uh, uh, con control and elimination of mycoplasma, right? Not only control, but also see large systems going towards that elimination route. So be be great to see what we, uh, how that impacts the health uh, under field conditions of those those animals being yeah. benefited. Going yeah. towards and being successful, right? Correct, and and that's a a good point because there is a, a couple of systems that are going through this elimination of mycoplasma, but there is some system that is not the priority right now. And w one call that the advisory group mentioned is we still need to better understand what you classify a lateral break and how that happens in the finishing sites to better control mycoplasma harmony. Okay, so let's move on to the next page, which is the final page of the report. Uh, this page covers disease diagnosis, specifically here from Iowa State VDL. Giovanni, first, before you give an overview uh, of the, the results from the previous months, can you give us a little bit of the background of the, this page? Yeah, so this page presents uh, only disease diagnosis on confirmed tissue cases here at ASU VDL. And that's a, a system that is in place where the diagnosticians from ICU assign what we call a DX code. And that's a code for the disease that was associated with that case. And from that code, we are able to create the charts that are here presented. Mm -hmm. So we presented an overall diagnosis by etiologic agent, but also we break that up with some charts that present the number of cases uh, according to a specific agent by system. And that case is a, is a bunch of lines that cross section each other. And if you follow the lines, you can see where there is association of more than one uh, etiologic agents that is diagnosed. And you can see for respiratory specifically that gets messy. So you need to think that we are not always talking about one single agent, but m most of the time the disease that we see in the field are multifactorial, and we need to take that in consideration to better implement measures to uh, control these uh, outbreak events. And we re I really thank for the diagnosis from ICU for doing all of the work of assigned SDX code that helps us to provide this page for the SDRS audience mm -hmm. and VDL client. So, and when you look for those diagnosis, we do monitor in the background this information. And as an example, we could see on the week of January 17th that was an increasing number of urogenital diagnosis. And now that we, uh, uh, during December and January, there was a couple of more cases for actin bacillus pneumonia, clostidiosis, and PD that was also uh, picking up in this uh, page. Giovanni, this picking up, you mean you have some algorithms analyzing this, this data and identifying some significant change? Significant change? That, that's correct. This, this runs on the, the background of this, of this information, so we are able to scan weekly counts of this diagnosis, and every time that is above what we expected, considering the past few weeks, we say that there is a signal, and that's what we do report here in this uh, page. And that comes into in consensus with what we are seeing in the industry. For example, there is an increase in of people talking about APP. We recently had uh, this, the webinar from AASV focused on, on this topic. So good to have this 
this these algorithms monitoring this, this information, right? Right. And the APP is a, a hot topic in the moment. So uh, by the time that it, you are going to receive this, the, the seminar from today, February 1st, is gone from Chic and ASV. But if you want to follow more on this, you can look for the ASV library that they put the recordings there and try to... I'm curious to see else what these people are going to talk more about this actinum bacillus preopneumoniae case that seems to be regional and spreading within those at uh, that area. What else do we know, Giovanni? I know that there are some outbreak investigations going on as we speak. What else do we know from those APP cases well, at this moment? Well, what we heard from the, the advice group and the video collaborators is that there is a, a regional issue and those are involving the... Uh, serotype 15 that was known, not known to be causing diseases and now seems mm -hmm. to be the one that's associated with most of these outbreaks. Uh, looks like there is a mix with some cases that are only associated with the actinobacillopneumon disease and some that there is other agents associated like PERS uh, on the same barn. So this, uh, what you mentioned about having this outbreak investigation and this bad characterization of this uh, case by the diagnosticians, that's going to be very helpful for us to mm -hmm. better understand this scenario. Oh, great. Thanks for the information, guys. So, Vani, also in this report, we have the bonus page. What, what was the information that you brought this month for this, this report? Well, the bonus page, uh, this specifically month is a bonus page that's brought by the SDRS, where we try... Uh, to summarize the frequency of PERS virus strain detection during 2021. And that's really to demonstrate and show that uh, the lineage 1C variant was a hot topic in IU Minnesota, but other strains like lineage 1A and RFLP174 was very active in all the regions. So the bonus page is here to provide uh, information about relevant talks that is of interest for the swine productions and veterinarians and our industry partners and video collaborators are invited to submit materials to be published in this uh, part of the report. Really highlights that uh, what if, if somebody asks what's uh, what are the lineages that are more frequently detected, most prevalent? The answer well, it depends on where you're where we're located, right? Because if you look at your table here, it's pretty clear that different regions have different. Uh, lineages that are predominant, that are more predominant. Uh -huh. Right, and in a continental country as the U.S., you can see that that's really different across the states and across regions. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, great discussion, guys, and that was it for this month's report. I hope you, the audience have enjoyed. So keep in mind, if you want to have more information about the SDRS, visit our webpage where you can find all this this information, all the reports, all the videos and podcasts, and also, as well, as Daniel mentioned before, you can find the online dashboards where you can play and, and look into the data with more details. So that was it, and thanks for, for, for joining with us. Thank you. Thank you.